Hey, two weeks ago, when I, when I preached last, I said that just into December, I felt like God was just challenging me, challenging us as a church, just to kind of peel back and get what I've, I don't know what else to call it, but like a reality check of where we think things are and where they really are. And there's some things that you encounter, some things you'll do that are just that reality check. They're kind of that shock moment that you might need or just the think this is where I am, but this is where reality is for me. So that's kind of what I've got a couple of messages that I wanted to look in, into in that way, where we talk about this idea of what are we saying when we say Lord Jesus? Because we, we sung about him as Lord, and we, we've talked about him as Lord, and yet living with him as Lord of our lives, there can be slippage there. That was the word we used a couple of weeks ago, where Somehow, how important he is or how much authority he has over us or the freedom we give him, how surrendered we are, that can kind of just slide. Uh, and he's not so much Lord anymore. He's, he's important to us, but not like, not like he should be and, and not like lordship means. One of the things we've looked at is that Lord, is, it's more than a title that he has. And so, so two weeks ago when I was here, we looked at the passage in Matthew 7 where Jesus says, you know, many will say to me on that day, on the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, you know, and I'll say to them, you know, I, I never knew you. And so we looked at that because that's going to be a shock moment for some people who were convinced that they were followers of Jesus and even had some things they did because that's what these people will panic with. The Lord, well, didn't we do these things in your name? Didn't we do great things and a lot of them in your name? And say you did, but I, I just never knew you. You used the word, but you never had the tie. You never used the title. You used the title, but we never had this relationship. So we're looking at Lord a couple weeks ago out of that passage that people would say Lord. They'd use that, that Greek word to just sometimes be polite. It was a way of saying sir. And sometimes in the thread of the Gospels, you'll see it used that way. People are just being polite with Jesus. And other times they would use that word Lord, for somebody that was over them, maybe their boss or maybe a government official, I think when they go to Pilate at one point, they'll say, they'll use that word. Our Bibles mostly will translate it sir or whatever, but it's this word Lord. And so it can be this, hey, I'm just being polite. It can be, hey, you know, you have, a little more, you have some authority over me. Or it can be that I know you are God and I know that you sit on the ultimate throne and you rule and you demand. I know that's you. And I have a relationship to you as Lord. And so we, we unpacked that a little bit. And I, I felt like we needed to stay there. There were the couple of passages that had, that had just been on my heart when I started chasing that down last month. So I want you to turn to Luke chapter 6 with me. Luke 6. You're going to see the same thing. You know, Matthew 7, Jesus said, people are going to say to me, Lord, Lord. And then here in, in Luke, he's going to say, people, you know, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And I was reading this week, when you say something like that twice, it's almost like you're saying, hey, we have a very close relationship, don't we? You know, isn't that funny that they would say to Jesus at judgment seat, Lord, Lord, so we're, we have this intimate tie, you and me. And then here in this moment, at the, in, as Luke unwraps up the sermon on the, really what some people call the sermon on the plane, same thing, Lord, Lord. So in Luke 6, I want to start reading in verse 46 right at the end of the chapter, in Luke 6, 46, he's preached through the Sermon on the Mount, which has blown people away for what they thought God was looking for, 
in what God is looking for, for where they thought God drew the line and where Jesus says God is drawing the line and for how they ought to relate to people. You know, Jesus says in Matthew, he says, you know, you've been heard to love your friends and hate your enemies. They thought that's where the line was and that's how they should relate to people. And Jesus has come in and just shattered all of these things. In fact, there's this line in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew that had to blow their minds where he says, I tell you the truth, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. And in their mind, the Pharisees were like the most right with God people they knew. So the idea that to be holier than they, that, just, that, was, that was just impossible to do, which is what Jesus was trying to show, that this thing is impossible to do. And then he runs through, you know, when you pray, don't pray for other people. When you give, don't give for other people. And, and, and when you're in these kinds of situations, this is what you're supposed to do. He just shattered everything. And so at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, or whether it's in Matthew or here in Luke, he comes to verse 46. He says, Now why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Lord, Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? A lot of our songs we sung this morning are, my God, Lord, this is who you are, and we're proclaiming this is who you are. We're proclaiming titles. And yet in the word, and I feel like what he wants us to do to start the year is kind of recalibrate to make sure we're not just using the title, but we're speaking in relationship to what it means to have a Lord. And so that's kind of what I wanted to do is what are you saying? What are we saying when we say Lord Jesus? And in this passage, what are we saying when we say Lord Jesus? And I want to just kind of pick out some things out of this story that he tells us. I mean, this story we know, some of you learned it if you grew up in Sunday school, you might have learned the song about the wise man and the foolish man and the floods coming and all of those things. And in, in those things, Jesus is showing, if I'm your Lord, here's how we relate. If I'm your Lord, you do something when I say it. If, you, if I'm your Lord, you believe me when I'm speaking to you. You know, did you have those things in, in, in your home, in your relationships with people that well, this is, this is broken, or this is a situation, and this is what I think we need to do. Well, I'm not so sure. No, 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 I, I, I know this. I've done this before. That can always be a dangerous line, huh? I've done this before. I saw this on YouTube, all of those things. Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. I've always had, you know, in, in school, in seminary, we always had guys in our seminary dorm who were anxious to fix my car. And that always just made me so nervous. I didn't, I realized some guys grew up and they understood mechanics and they were good things, but that just made me, beyond changing my oil, made me really nervous. And then when people said to me, oh, you can do that, it's easy. Yeah, water pumps are not easy. (laughs) And done wrong, they lead to a lot of other work that you need done, which I could say by experience. So even in those things, you say, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And you get it, but it turns out right. And what do you say at the end of that? Why can't you just trust me? I know what I'm talking about. Now, take me out of that equation 
and put Jesus in that. Why can't you just trust me that I know what I'm talking about? When I've given you a word and given you commands on how you should relate or what you should build your life about or what you should cut out of life or build in all of those things. So I want to do that through this. Through this. So what you say when you say, Lord Jesus, well, one of the first things you say is that you're coming to him. Do you notice that he says that and he's got this mobile ministry. He's traveling the whole three years of his ministry. He's never in one place for long. But he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me. So people were coming to him. Some people were coming to him for healing. Some people were coming to him for, for other reasons. We'll, get, we'll look at one of those in a couple of minutes. But people were coming to him. We've come to church today. Then, then we have to unpack, why? Because this is what I do Sunday mornings. Or because I needed to be encouraged. Because it's been a tough week. Or because I love, you know, I just love to come and sing and worship. We've come to him this morning. That's why I appreciate how, how this worship started and then how Don picked up on the fact that, that Jesus is here. I'm reading in 1 Corinthians now, my quiet time. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul's dealing with a situation going on in Corinth, and he says, so when you are together and the power of Jesus is present, just because you're together in his name and that power of his, his power is present. So you've come to him when you call him Lord, you're saying, he's my go-to person. He, I believe he has things to say. I'm hungry to hear what he has to say. I'm hungry for what he's offering. I need what he's offering to me. And so listen to what the scriptures say in, in John. The people find him, the crowd that has, he's fed finds him. They said they find him on the other side of the sea and they said to him, Rabbi, not Lord, to many people he's just Rabbi, he's got a good teacher. Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill, you ate your fill of the loaves. And so do not labor for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And the only reason you've come to this side of the lake is you're hungry and you want another free meal. Instead of coming to me because I have something to offer you, so Peter tells his readers, he says, hey, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that, it by you, that by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. So some of you, some of you are tasters. Somebody makes something new. You're, it's not that you're suspicious. Maybe you're just curious. And so you just take a little bite to see how it is. We were... We were at a restaurant yesterday with Cindy and I with Joel, and across the way, this guy got something, and I don't know what the problem was, uh, but he was looking at it really suspiciously. And then they're all at the table. They're all looking at it and each other, and they're going over this thing. And so I, I love to watch those things. I just love relationships. I love to watch relationships. I love to watch relationship movies. Uh, so I'm watching this go on, and I'm thinking, is it not hot? Is it not right? Is it not what? So the guy gets his, gets his spoon and very carefully takes a small thing and tastes it. And it wasn't, it wasn't cold because you didn't get the cold face, but it was all right. You know, you got that look, you know? All right. And they went on eating it. He did, I noticed he didn't eat a lot of it. He took a lot of it home. But then other times, somebody makes something, you taste it, 
It is so good. It's just so good. How much of that did you make? And Cindy had made something the other night, and uh, last night Joel comes in, and he says, uh, hey, is there any more of the white chicken chili? No, it wasn't white chicken chili. It was white chicken chili. Yep. It was delicious. <laughs> I know it was white and had chicken. Yeah. Is there any more of that? Why? Because it's so good. That's all Peter's saying, that we ought to have some sense of that with his word. It's so good. I, I'm back. I'm having a quiet time this morning because it's so good. There's something God wants me to know about him. There's something he wants me to know about me or there's something he needs me to know ahead of time in, in that whole thing, especially coming into, coming into worship and coming into when I'm speaking. Okay, you need to know this before you start talking about me. See, dis- crave the pure spiritual milk. It's nothing, we've talked about that before. There's nothing that's more demanding than a baby that wants to be fed. So isn't that amazing? That's what God would choose for this picture. That ought to be the way you crave what I have to say to you. Why? So when you say, Lord, you say, God, I'm, I'm just coming to you. You're the one that I'm coming to, to hear from. I got a problem, and you've got your go-to people. I've got my go-to people about things with my car, with my computer, with food. Uh, some of you, when I, was, when I was taking Mondays off and Cindy was working, a lot of times I was trying to cook, and I would run into things. Recipes, aren't, I found out, were not, they're not as simple as they always appear to be. So I got my go-to people, because I don't really want to call Cindy. I don't want her to know I'm having trouble with this. <laughs> Cindy's kind of my, in case of emergency, break glass and call Cindy, you know. But you have your go-to people. All Jesus is saying is, if you're calling me Lord, I should be your go-to person for life. How does, God, how does this work? I got this issue going on. I'm, I'm getting discouraged. I'm getting hassled. I'm, you know, I'm not sure what you want me to do got this possible relationship, what do you want me to do? That's what lordship is. I'm coming to you. I believe you have the best thing to offer for my life, for the plan, for the answers that I need. I believe that you're there, even if they're hard to understand sometimes, even if what you say is going to be hard. You are my go-to person. You know, we see in in the recovery ministry on Thursday nights is that people that are really there to work through their steps, they know it's going to be hard. But that's okay because they know this is going to take them where they need to go. That's what lordship means. Even if it's hard, uh, you know, I'm going. I was listening to Mike's message that, that he, he was, spoke here last week. You just die to yourself. That's hard. But that's your way to life. So I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you, Lord. I'm calling you, Lord. And I'm coming to you because that's what, that's what lordship is. When you come to him, when you call him Lord, you're also saying that you are not a Bible tourist. That you're not, uh, hey, I've got these out of order, so let me go to this one. Yep. When you come into him, you're saying, God, I'm not just a Bible tourist. I'm not just following you to hear, what do you have to say today? Jesus, you've got some great stories. Jesus, there's some great moments in your life. I'm just here to see some, what's going to happen today. It's kind of cool what's going on. And so I want to see that. We, he's not here today, but we can go to plenty of Bible studies or church services or podcasts or YouTube and watch plenty of speakers and end up really just being Bible tourists. And I'm just here to, I'm just here to see what's being said. I'm just here to see what, 
What can stand out in the passage? I never noticed that before. I never noticed they called Jesus Lord twice before. This is especially dangerous to those, that have been, those of us that have been saved a long time, that we're, we're familiar with the word, we're familiar with the principles. You've made the major changes in your life that you need to make. But that's, that's not how God works. God is constantly transforming us. He says, you know, the one who comes to me, that's present tense, the one who keeps coming to me is the one, you know, who's calling me Lord. You're, the one who comes to me and hears and does what I say, all of those are present. They're all happening. You're coming, you're hearing, and each time you're listening in, you're leaning in. You know, I don't know how many times I've read 1 Corinthians. You know, for many years, I'd read through the Bible in a year just as my, as my quiet time. So I know, I know when I get to 1 Corinthians, uh, I think it was in 1 Corinthians 9 today, I know that's going to be, hey, you know, I have the rights of an apostle. I know he's going to get to the end. He says, uh, you know, that um, at the end he's going to say, I'm not running like an aimless person. I'm running. I know all of that. But coming to Jesus today, I need to hear what is he saying in that passage today? What is he saying to me? What is he saying to you today? Because, man, we, if we've been saved a while, we can go on autopilot so easily about passages and about we get the gist of it and we get what it means and I'm building my life on you, Jesus. And he may want to have you check your foundation this morning. When you call him Lord, you're saying, I'm not just a tourist. I'm not just here to, to see the sights. I'm here to hear from you. Jesus had so many people that followed him. You'll, you'll see that word multitudes all the way through because that's what it was, a massive crowd. I mean, 5,000 men, 6,000 men, and then their families. That's a massive crowd in those days. You have all of that, but then after he, after he dies and he's resurrected, you have 120. 120 who really were listening in. 120 that weren't tourists. They were followers. And a follower needs to hear from the leader constantly. And so when you call him Lord, you're saying, God, Jesus, you've got a right to speak to me. I need you to speak to me because I'm not just here for the information. I'm not just here for the facts. When you say, you know, when you call him Lord, you say that, you say that you're building a solid life. When you call Jesus Lord, what you're saying is, I am building a solid life on you. And so you get the story of the two builders here, the, the one builder, and the, the things are so clear how different they are. He dug deep and he laid a foundation. The other man, he built on a house on the ground without foundation, just on the sand. If you've lived in the south, so many, so many houses in the south don't have basements. That was, that was surprising to me when we moved down there growing up in the north where everybody had a basement, even if you had only just a dug basement or a dirt basement or a root cellar, you had something under your house. So you have these two distinctions of, of people and again, he's talking about people that are hearing him speak. So we fast forward that to people who are going to church, to people who are listening to podcasts, to people who are having their quiet time, to people who are watching whoever you like to watch on, on YouTube. He's speaking to us in that way. He's speaking into this moment and what we do with this moment. And here are these two differences. He, he said, one man is building, ongoing. The other man built. One, one person is, is building and they're constantly building onto that, which again is the challenge to those who have, 
those of us that have been saved a while, that we've built, that God has already changed. He's just doing a little tweaking now. But the word he uses in scripture is, I'm transforming. That's what I do. You know, sometimes he brings upheaval into life to take us into that next thing that we need to go to. But you have a man who's building and a man who is built. You have a man who knew that who wanted a foundation. And so not only do you have a foundation, but watch what all the things Jesus says about that. He dug, he's digging, and he's digging deep for his foundation. He goes until he finds rock that he can tie into. He just doesn't want to go down and have something under his house. He wants to tie into rock. He wants to tie into something that's solid, something that he knows. Remember, Jesus is talking about my words. This is my words. This man, he dug down through everything he needed to dig down to and tied his life into my word, into who I am. That's why someone, someone in the worship team referred to God as a rock. And I thought, well, that sets me up well. Uh, Wait a minute, I'm in the wrong, I've got the wrong verses in the wrong place here, I think. Yep, in the Psalms it says, the Lord is my rock. He's my fortress and my deliverer. He's my God and my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. This is David's version, or Psalm, whoever wrote Psalm 18, this is their version of Matthew 7. I have tied in to the Lord as my rock, as as my deliverer, as my shield, as my stronghold, so that if something happens, I won't be shaken. That's a phrase you're going to find through the Psalms. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. In fact, listen to what Proverbs has to say. It says, when the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Why is that? Because they've tied themselves into something solid. And so you have this builder who digs deep, until he gets into the, he, till he, he digs deep in the word, until he ties into what has God said, until he's tied into something that won't move. The other man, the, he just finds some ground that's flat. He builds on a house on the ground, it says in verse 49, without a foundation. So I was reading, you wanted to be near a river. I mean, Jesus will, will, will say that in, in Matthew 7, when Jesus is telling the story, he's going to talk about a river. You want to be re- near the river, especially if you're, if you're a farmer like most of Israel was at this time. You want to be close enough you can irrigate. But he said you had the riverbed and then you'd have, you'd have an area after that that would be flooded when the winter rains came. And so you wanted to build your house far enough away from that and yet deep enough so that you'd be safe if the flood extended beyond what you thought it would. What you thought it would. I mean, how many people have we all talked to that, that were wrestling more with something that had been knocked off their foundation and their words are, well, I never thought. I never thought this would happen to me. I never thought I could get in this situation. I never thought it would go this far south. I never thought. So you build where you think you're safe, but you have a foundation that will protect you. So that's what's happening. Somebody wants to be close to the river. You think about how they built. To build without a foundation, it's cheaper, it's easier, and it's faster. Which is what a, which is what a lot of new believers struggle with, and we struggle with with them. Hey, you need to take your time. You need to make sure you understand this. No, I got this. I got it. I can handle this. No, not yet. You need to get 
stronger. You need to dig deeper before you get into this so you're not overwhelmed. And Jesus tell that story? Some people I hear my word and they get all excited, but they don't have root. Colossians 2 will say, you know, being rooted and grounded in him. That's, that's just the Colossians version of, of this passage. He digs deep. It, it takes him longer. It's a lot harder and it's more expensive. But when he needed it to hold, it held. You notice how it says it in, in verse 48. And when a flood rose, the stream broke against the house, but it couldn't shake it because it had been well built. And then at the end of 49, when the stream broke against it, immediately fell, and the ruin of the house was great. You know, it says in both of them, when? When? Because a flood is going to come. I mean, if, you, if you've been in Jesus very long, you have learned the floods still come. He just holds you against it, you know? what you anchor your life into in, in who he is and in what he said, it just holds you against those times so that you're not swept away, so you're not overcome, so you're not left wondering. You, you're tied into God is faithful, God is strong, God is able, God knows what he's doing, God is not understandable. I mean, Job says to him, it's something that's really spoken to me over the last couple of years, Job says at the end, you know, God, I spoke of things that I did not understand. As somebody who wants to understand things, who wants to figure everything out, yeah, sometimes you just got to stand there and be secure enough in who God is and who he is with you that you can say, God, I, I don't understand this one. And I'm going to try to be at peace not understanding that. So the storm, it is coming. So we need to have time in the word. You, you need to have time in the word that's faithful where you're, you're learning what does this say God, how do you want me to apply this? How do you want me to apply this? Where you're praying, God, who, can, who is around me that I can help, you know, invest this verse in, this truth in? Because truth is never just for us. It's to pass on to someone else to help them in this journey to keep moving. There's this present tense he's building. It's constantly going on, which I need to hear. I need to hear that. God, you're constantly building something. You're looking for me to be building, not just to allow you to, to do what you do, but for me to be doing my part of that. When you say, when you're calling him Lord, you say, I'm building a solid life. I am in the process of building a solid life that's tied to him and tied to his word. When you say that he's Lord, another thing I see out of this passage is you're saying you're going to do what you're told to do. Yeah, that, that you're going to be at a part with him that you're going to just do what you're told. So Friday, we put out on Facebook, you know, things that your parents said to you, and you know, I appreciate how many of you replied in on that. Some of those I just thought were things all of our parents said, but how many of, that, how many of us were told that? Just do what I've told you to do. <laughs> I mean, my mom had this great line. She was, my mom, as I've said over the years, she's very big on etiquette and being polite and being respectful, which is a lot of which I appreciate, 95% of that I appreciate. Uh, in fact, it was so ingrained in me that you call older people Mr. and Mrs. that when we went to the church in Maine, it was hard for me. It took me over a month to call older people, you know, by their name. And I was their pastor. And that's what somebody finally said to me is, okay, you're their pastor, it just, there's just something wrong with you calling them Mr. Staples or Miss, Mrs. whoever. You need to call them by their first name. 
But that was so ingrained. You know how parents, they just get in your head for life. That, that, that's, that's where I was. My mom's other thing was, you know, she used it sometimes unfairly, I realize, as an adult, to just shut us down. You know, are you being fresh? <laughs> hey, can I get a witness on that? Anybody else grew up with that? Yeah. That was just the end all. Even if you were so right and she was so wrong, are you being fresh? That just kind of brought everything to an end. No? Okay, then be quiet. <laughs> How does that work? But are you being fresh? You're going to be fresh again? No? then just be quiet and do what you're told. That's how it is with God. You get a sense of him through the course of Job where he just has enough. He has enough of everybody trying to figure out what he's doing and he steps in with all of these questions. Do you understand this? Do you know this? Do you know how I do this? Do you know where I keep the snow? Do you know how the goats? Have you ever seen a goat give birth up in the mountains? Have you ever done this? All these things. And that's when Job says, God, you know, I repent. I spoke of things I didn't understand about. Good. Now just do what you're told. Just do what I say and be faithful because you know my heart and you know my power. You know, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and you don't do what you're told? You know, when you understand, when you're saying Lord, you're understanding authority. Remember we were looking last time at this verse how the Sermon on the Mount ends in, in Matthew. It says, when Jesus finished these sayings that we're seeing here in Luke, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Remember he says, you've heard it said to the people long ago, but I tell you, that's authority. This is what I tell you. And so when you say, Lord, you're saying you have the authority to tell me what to do. Remember the soldier that, that sent someone to Jesus? He had a servant and he wanted the servant healed. And he, he said, and Jesus says to him, okay, let's go to your house. And he says, no, you don't need to come to my house because I'm a man under authority like you are. And I say to someone, go, and they go. And so you don't have to come to my house. And Jesus says, wow, this man, this man gets it more than anyone else in Israel. He understands authority. He understands you give an order and it's carried out. He understands you make a command and you just carry it out. You don't talk about it. You don't discuss it. Remember in, in John chapter 6, before they fed the 5,000, Jesus says to Philip, hey, Philip, feed these people. And Philip says to him, where are we going to get enough food to feed these people? Where are we going to do that? See, we just do what we're told. Sometimes we all wrestle with that, don't we? We wrestle with it at a church level. How is that going to work? How is that ever going to happen? We do that in our lives. You know, we read a verse or you're being discipled by somebody and they said, this is really the next thing you need to do. How is that ever going to work? Well, this is what God says to do. He doesn't really need us to understand how it's going to work. He just needs us to believe it does and that we have to do that. We don't argue with him in that. Or here's, here's a moment in his life that, uh, that Peter wishes he could have taken back. Jesus says, I'm going to die on a cross. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. You know, what's he doing? He's trying to rework what God's planning to do. So why? He doesn't want to lose Jesus. He loves Jesus. He doesn't want Jesus to be hurt. He believes, he believes he's the kingdom and the kingdom's coming right now. All those things are really good. They're just really off. And so they bring him to this moment which is really, really harsh moment. seems like that's about the harshest moment we have on Jesus, isn't it? When he says, get behind me, Satan. 
because you're not speaking God's, God's interests and God's heart. See, when I call him Lord, you're saying you're going to do what you're told. You're not going to discuss it. You're not going to debate it. You're not going to tell him, God, you just don't understand how hurt I've been. Or, God, you don't understand how complicated my life is right now. You don't understand how busy I am right now. Or, you don't understand that I get, because we've had, talked about it a couple times, when I get social anxiety. You, you don't understand uh, that I'm just not sure that this is really you. I'm not really sure this will work in my life. I'm not really sure. I don't really think. It's not a good time. All those things we say and what we're doing is we're not doing what we're told. You know, some part of your Bible reading is you have to believe that the Holy Spirit has guided you to that passage on that day in that moment of your life and that he's telling you it's time to deal with this or he's put that on someone's heart. You know, there have been times I hope you've had conversations. I've had conversations with people where I felt very strongly this is what God was saying to them. They say, yeah, I just don't think that's, I don't think that's good for me right now. Okay, well, one of us is off because God is saying, he's speaking to one of us and one of us is off in that. See, if I'm calling him Lord, I have to be willing to hear what he's saying to do and really measure that, no matter how hard it's going to be, or how complicated it's going to be, or how much busier I'm going to get. Sometimes, don't you find he adds busyness just to show you you're too busy? <laughs> so that you realize, man, I, I need to cut some things out. And if he's talking to me about this, this can't be the one thing that I cut out. When I call him Lord, I have to do what I'm told. Boy, Elizabeth Elliot, she was such a strong woman of faith after her husband Jim Elliot was, was martyred in South America. She had some great, some great quotes. I really appreciate what Mary put on Facebook yesterday, that sometimes when we say we're struggling, it's really delayed obedience. Is that good? I'm struggling with that. Up in heaven they're saying, no, you're just not doing it. Just do it. Do it well. As soon as we say well, he said, well, okay, then don't say Lord until you don't say well. Because those two things can't go together. So, so here's this thing I came across in one of the commentaries. It's pretty pointed, but it really kind of peels things off. He says, you call me the way and walk me not. You call me light, the life and live me not. You call me master and obey me not. If I condemn thee, blame me not. You call me bread and eat me not. You call me truth and believe me not. You call me Lord and serve me not. If I condemn thee, blame me not. That's pretty strong and pretty harsh. But boy, that's kind of how Jesus looks at things. Many are going to say, Lord, Lord. I'm going to say, I, I didn't know you. Men are saying, Lord, Lord, but they're not doing what I'm saying. So I'm trying to figure out how they're using that, how they're using that word. Because when you call him Lord, you're saying you'll do, you'll do what you're told. Then one other thing I, I want to pick up before we leave is when you call him Lord, you're saying you know what he says, that you know what he says. You're coming to him, you're hearing him, and then you're choosing to do those things. Whoever comes to me, whoever hears me, present tense, that's huge. I'm coming back to church because I want to hear from you, God. I mean, my prayer is, God, I'm preaching today. I want to hear from you through the worship team. I want to hear from you through the random thing that's going to happen in service today. We pray over Cindy. Uh, 
when Pastor Ted comes up to pray, when somebody says something introducing a song or there's a random thing, I need to hear from you. I want to come and I want to hear from you. Not from, you know, whoever the human is, but from you. So you need to know you're, if you're coming, it's because you know, if you're doing what he says, it's because you know what he says. You know those things. You're growing in your understanding. You have a hunger that kind of goes back to that. And so I'm growing in knowing what this is. So I'm going to do a, a proud grandpa or a bumpa, as they call me, down in New York. So Joy and Mark got Bella into this routine. Our five-year-old granddaughter, Bella, they got into this routine, you know, when she was newborn, I think. I think they had read that, you know, if you have a, a bedtime routine, it helps children quiet down and go to sleep. So they would read her a story. They would read her a Bible story, second one, and then they'd sing to her and pray, sing and pray with her. So last night, Joy texts us. She's reading Bella this story, and she accidentally said, Philippines. And Bella says to her, I think you mean Philistines. <laughs> She's five years old. She's five years old. That's a five-year investment. You know, it's also a smart kid. It's, you know, she's got those good pastoral genes, you know. You're right, from her mother, her grandmother, yeah. That's, she only knows that because she knows what he says. She knows what a Philistine is. I didn't know what a Philistine was, I think, until I was 15. What an advantage to be five years old and know these are the enemies of God, which means I know about the victory of God in those things. See, if you're calling him Lord, it means you're doing what you're told. It means you know what he says. It means you know what he says. You're growing in that. You're building your faith. Because the more you know the word, the more your faith will grow because the word is always the trigger to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And faith is what triggers God to do all that he does. And so those things are, are all connected. Your Lord, I know your word. Your word gives me faith to believe that you still work, and so now I see you at work. So those seasons when, we wonder, when you wonder, why isn't God doing anything? Where is he? You have to backtrack to all of those things. Am I, am I in the word? Am I doing what the word says? Do I have, is it building my faith? And so am I seeing what he, what he wants to do and what he's trying to do in these things? Those are those things, because he's going to say to us, he's going to say to us, uh, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we'll come to him and make our home with him. If anyone loves me, you know, if anyone has a relationship with me, and sing songs and say they love me, or have a relationship with me, and they say they love me, if anyone does that, then they're keeping my word. That's just kind of the basic thing of where that all goes. So I want to take a moment and Andy and I were doing this in the office Friday, and it seemed to work. You know, if you are, if you are calling Jesus Lord, then you're going to do what you're told, and you know what he says. So what's a command that Jesus gives us? What's a command that comes to mind? This is what Jesus says we should do. Yeah, Joe, just speak. But obedient to what? Give me a specific thing that he says, this is what you should do or be. Love yeah, love one another. I'm not staying for lunch. <laughs> you, know. So you know what I mean? You've got to get close to people to love them. You've got to get close enough to know so they can trust you enough to tell you things or whatever. That's why we, Sometimes Pastor Ted will have, have people say, I don't stay for lunch. You just end up talking about the Patriots or the, the Titans. 
or whatever. And we try to tell people, but that's the pathway to more significant talk. So, yeah. What's a, what are some other commands? What is it, Pam? Forgive. Yeah, forgive. Yeah, forgive one another. Obey your yeah, obey your parents. Yeah, yeah. If you're a child, yeah. Yeah, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Yep. Go make disciples. That one, now that one gets a little convicting because now you've got to say, okay, who in my life am I helping to grow on a consistent basis? That's discipling. Yeah, Rodney? Take care of the widows and orphans. Yeah, take care of widows and orphans. Yeah. Patrick, are you going to say one? No. Oh, wow, this is the second time I thought you flinched. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah, to pray for one another. Yeah, pray without ceasing. That's also a command. Yep. You were going to say something. What was that? Yeah, to be humble. That's a command. Yeah, Ann? Yeah, or, or, you know, the command that you'll see is to be faithful in suffering, to persevere, to not give up. Yep. Here's one. Be baptized. Sorry, it's just a command. It's in there. Yep. Yeah, to comfort one another. Yeah, somebody has, was that you, Tina, or Andrea? Did one of you guys have something? It sounded like it came from there. Okay. Yeah, feed my sheep. He says that's, yep. Yeah, Mimi? Yeah. Yep, that's a great one for this, isn't it? Stop trying to figure this out and just trust me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on what you understand. Yeah, Dan? Yeah, sometimes just be still. Just be still and know. Yeah. Yeah, to build one another up. All those one another's, those are commands in Scripture that speak to us. And they're commands. And he assumes if you're calling me Lord, then you're going to do what I say. And if you're calling me Lord, then you know what I say in all all of those things. So there's this moment in the Old Testament where they have this. Remember this where this this young person doesn't even know how this works. And so God's been calling Samuel, and he didn't didn't know how to respond. And so finally, the priest says, listen, when you hear God call you, you just say this line, speak for your servant hears. Speak for your servant hears. Hey, say that with me. Speak for your servant hears. But then God always invites, he's inviting you into these amazing things that he's doing. Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I'd like to be part of something like that. Samuel becomes one of the greatest prophets of Israel. It all starts with speak because your servant is listening. And I understand your Lord because I understand that I'm servant. I understand, Lord, you're doing great things in the kingdom and you're giving us an opportunity to be a part of that if we will just do what you tell us to do. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? You know, really, when you say, Lord, you're choosing the role that he has. He's either just someone you're polite to, he's somebody who has some authority over you, or he's the Lord, he has absolute authority over every area of life. That's where we need to get when we say, Lord, and that's where life happens and transformation happens and where you get to see God do amazing things for you. That's where it happens. And that's what we long to experience. That's what we long to see happen in the church. And it, it doesn't happen be, because God's hesitant on his side. It happens because we close that door on our side. So, hey, stand with me and let's.
Let's pray. Mm-hmm. So, Father, forgive, protect us now from the evil one because he's a deceiver and he's a liar and he, he comes after that seed right away. That's what you said in the parable of sower, Jesus, that he is after what's just been spoken in, in your name and, and I hope to your glory. And so I just think of the, sometimes as we look as from the viewpoint of men, the most unlikely people who've just been amazing servants of yours and you used in incredible ways and incredible ways and in my life and incredible ways in the life of, of this church. And so, Father, continue to do that. I pray you'd smash the lie that would say to someone, but not you, but not you, because that's, that's not from heaven or from people hearing, well, you're not ready yet, because neither is that from heaven. So we do, we bow before you, Lord Jesus, because you sit on the throne now long for the day when you sit on the throne here and things are the way they're supposed to be. But when you hear that out of our lips, we want you to hear it for what it is, that we've given you authority and rights over us to dictate how we live and to drive us to that place that you would call abundant life. That's your heart. And that you would use us so that other people would come to know you as Lord. So here we are, Lord, and in this moment, would you help us to know what that next step is or the change that needs to be made? Would you help us to know that area of our lives that we're too afraid to turn over to you or we're too stubborn to turn over to you? Some of us, we know what that is. We've known what it is for a long time. Would you let this be the day where that's laid down to you? Whereas you said through my last week where we just die to ourselves, so that we can live, live to you as Lord. You say no one lives or dies to themselves. Whether we live or whether we die, we, we live to the Lord. So we want that to be the case. Would you do amazing things through this church family this week because we've been that available and that obedient to you? And would you transform and heal and repair things that are broken in our lives because we finally turn them over to you and show us how good and compassionate you are? And even, Lord, in a moment, would you give us the humility that's needed to come up and have someone pray over us if, if that's the way you choose to, to just release your power or your wisdom. So here we are. We're, we're yours. Church is yours. We pray you'd use us for something that we'll be talking about forever. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.